Legaba jokola de brina katola de bambra gadaske tele de brina katolo de babara katiske telia. Legelembo jokola de brina katola de babra gadaske tele de brina katola de bohoya. Father, we bless and praise the name of Jesus. And we thank you for the privilege of coming before your word honorably tonight. We thank you for everyone that is connected to this service around the world. And we rejoice that we have the privilege of being instructed in the light of your word. The entrance of your word give it light and it give it understanding to the simple. So as your word comes with clarity tonight, your people built up, equipped, edified, and Jesus is glorified. Thank you that by the end of this service, we'll all be the better for it. We give you praise for answered prayer. In Jesus' precious name. And every believer says a powerful amen. Lift your right hands to heaven. Let's release our faith together as we say these words. I am born of God. I am born of the world. The word of God is my nature. I do not struggle to do the word. I do the word naturally. Therefore today, I will understand. The word of his grace. I will be built up. By the end of this service, I will never be the same. Never ever be the same again. In Jesus name. And every believer says that amen like thunder. Glory to God. We want to welcome every one of you connected to this service today by way of Kingdom Life Network, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. All of our radio audience in Aquaibom State connected to the XLFM station. We're glad to have everybody tuning in and connected to the service. Hey guys, invite everybody you know, reach out to people, encourage them to tune into this broadcast, to tune into the service. We're going to have a blast in the study of God's word. All our house centers, we're glad to have every one of you connected. All our campuses around the world is a joy to have everybody hooked up tonight. It's going to be an exciting time of study. So you grab your pen, your notebook, and your Bible. You can be seated with your sweet, smart self as we get into the Word of God. Those of you on social media, do me a favor. Help me share the, the broadcast on your page. Tag some people. Invite some people. Let's get a walk. Let's get more people to hear the Word today. Even those on YouTube, let's get more people to hear the Word. It's going to be a time you will be glad you were a part of. Praise God. All right. We've, we are still on the series, The Misunderstood God. The misunderstood God, and this is the part four of the misunderstood God, and we're treating finding God in the midst of evil. Finding God in the midst of evil, and this is the fourth part of this particular series on finding God in the midst of evil. John chapter 1, verse 1, the gospel of John chapter 1, verse number 1. In the beginning was the world. And the word was with God, and the word was God. That statement, the word, is the same word used for study. It's used for study or what you can call reason. What you can call reason is the word logos, L-O-G-O-S in the Greek, where you have, you know, biology, biology. You have sociology or you have zoology. So, logi is where you have logos. Logi is where you have logos. So, in the beginning was the logos. And the logos was with God. And the logos was God. It's a phrase that was developed from a Greek concept of a reason behind something or an explanation. So, in other words... By saying John chapter 1 verse 1, in the beginning was the Logos, 
and the Logos was with God and the Logos was God simply means that the knowledge of God emerged from the very book of Genesis because the word in the beginning there means in Genesis. So the knowledge of God emerged from the very book of Genesis. So the study of the scriptures is a study of God. The study of the scriptures is a study of God. Let me give us a background of that. On Sunday, we began to look at the importance of the study of scriptures. The reason why some people get confused and, you know, kind of ask questions like, why did God do it? Why did God allow bad things to happen to good people? Why did God allow evil to happen to somebody? Why does God allow bad things? They ask all kinds of questions and especially such kinds of questions because they are not familiar with the word of God. They are not familiar with the word of God. In fact, even people who talk with every day, you talk with every day, when you hear their voice, you don't say, is that you? The people you talk with every day, whether in your office, in your home, in your neighborhood, or where you walk, when you hear their voice, you don't say, is that you? Sometimes you hear people's voices and you respond as if you are seeing them because you are accustomed with what they do. So when you start to ask questions like, did God do it? Or when evil happens, you say, is God trying to teach me something? There is a lack of knowledge somewhere. There is a lack of knowledge somewhere. There is something that has created that uncertainty. So we said last Sunday that it's a product of not being deliberate in the study of God's word. It's a product of not being deliberate in the study of God's word. You are deliberate, for example, to study medicine. And then you become a doctor. You are deliberate to study law. And then you become a lawyer. You are deliberate to study engineering. And then you become an engineer. You are deliberate about what you studied in school. You went there. You attended classes. You read through the materials that were given to you. Then you became confident and very confident. So, some of you when medical doctors or some of you medical doctors, when you give prescriptions to patients, you don't say to them, I think, I think, no. You do your checks, you do your diagnosis, then you prescribe because that is your expertise. Because that is your expertise. You see highly skilled car mechanics. They get to the car and just fix cheaply a seemingly complicated problem. They just cheaply fix that problem because the mechanic is deliberate about what he learned. And you ask that kind of question, did God do it? Why did God allow evil? Or is God trying to teach me something using evil? You ask that kind of question because you are not deliberate in knowing God. God gave you his word, except you doubt it. He gave you the written word, and good enough, you are not in the Genesis era where they didn't have reference materials. You are not in the Genesis era. You are here where you have 66 books, which contains details. If someone gave you 66 books, which contains his details, then that person does not intend to be mysterious or that person is not mysterious. You're either lazy or you have refused to be persuaded. 
66 books. 66 books. And then somebody says, ah, it's too much. It's too much. Well, that is still laziness speaking. Because which of you here or which of you who went to school, you know, knows that in the school they just gave you one exercise book and it covered everything you learned in four years. There's no such school. There's no such course in the university where you just have one notebook and it covers everything of all of your classes in four years or six years or whatever course you're reading depending on the duration that is applied to that course. Except what you study is just eating food. Even in eating food, there will be different segments of explanation of all the you know table manners and all of that. So it will not just be one book. How many of you, your entire course material is one textbook? Nobody. But you see, the knowledge of God has been put together in one book. It's called the Bible. And some of you, what you study in one semester in school... When you put the load of work together, it's even bigger than the Holy Bible. So, it's obvious now that so many people, the reason why they are not deliberate about knowing God is simply either because they don't care or they are lazy, plain laziness. You know, social media, social media has made it obvious that nobody really has a problem with time. There are over 2 billion people on social media, over 2 billion people on social media. And every time you get onto social media, midnight, afternoon, morning, evening, anytime you get onto social media and you say something, people are always awake, people are always there ready to answer you. The reason is because social media has made it obvious that nobody has a problem with time to study. It's just lack of interest that's the problem with many people, you know, lack of interest or laziness in Bible study. Because you know, Facebook has proven that otherwise. So there must be a deliberate study. Like some people say, why is this teaching so tedious? You know, why, why is it that when I teach the word of God, it's so tedious. It requires a lot of thinking, a lot of writing, a lot of thinking. Why is it so tedious? You know, and why is it technical? And then somebody say, why don't you just summarize for us? Well, if I'm summarizing the teaching, then it is no more teaching. It becomes exhortation. It is no more Bible study. Because Bible study has to be rigorous, has to be tedious, and we have to pay attention to every detail so you can be well grounded and equipped to be able to stand and give a reason for your faith. So we must be intentional about the scriptures. There must be a deliberate approach to Bible study. A deliberate approach to Bible study. So we began to look at the pattern that Jesus used in Bible study on Sunday. In Luke chapter 24, verse 25, when they asked the wrong questions. You remember the two gentlemen on the way to Emmaus, they were asking the wrong questions. And Jesus turned to them and said to them, O fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. O fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Now look, 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 just look at how they arrive at their wrong conclusions. Luke 24, 21 to 24. Luke 24, 21 to 24. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all these, today is the third day. Please pay attention. Today is the third day since these things were done. 22. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished. 
which were early at the sepulchre. Next verse. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive. Look at the next question now. Next thing they said in verse 24. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre and found it even so as the women had said, but him they found not. So these guys were confused. What's going on? He is supposed to redeem Israel. Then Jesus looked at them and answered, saying to them, O fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. To believe all that the prophets have spoken. He didn't quote one person. He said all that the prophets have spoken. Look at verse 26. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? That's a rhetoric question. That is, this ought to have been your conclusion. If you were paying attention to the scriptures of the prophets that you read, this ought to have been your conclusion that Christ will suffer and out of his suffering, glory will follow. Now look at verse 27 and beginning at Moses and all the prophets. He expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So we said a deliberate study of scriptures is not just to pick things from the middle. It is to read the entire Bible. Beginning at Moses. He began a deliberate study with them. Then in verse 44 of Luke 24, put it up. Luke 24, verse number 24. Then he said to them, Luke 24, 44. <clears throat> Luke chapter 24, verse 24. Get yours from your Bible. Luke 24, 44. Jesus, after speaking, met them and he said to them, in Luke 24, 44, and he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses. Did you pay attention again? In the law of Moses, and in the prophets, and in the Psalms concerning me. When he met the other company of believers, he took them again from the law of Moses to the prophets to the Psalms. It is not a coincidence. No, that is how Jesus taught the scriptures. He always began from Genesis or from Moses. Just like you read your school books, you don't start from the middle. You don't start from the end. You deliberately start reading your school books from the beginning. Oftentimes, we rely on experiences. We rely on media or what people say. Even when signing a contract, they have a column in contract, in, you know, contract papers. Whenever you sign any form of contract, they have a column called force, force majeure. That is, they, they say it's an act of God. Where there is thunder, there is earthquake, they call it acts of God. And that's even included in your education. It's included in your education. But why will a believer come to that conclusion? Because he is not deliberate in his study of God. The believer will arrive at that conclusion because he is not deliberate in his study of God in the Holy Scriptures. There is the need to be deliberate or intentional. 
God wants to be known. And he wants to be studied and he wants to be known well. And so you must value, please listen carefully, you must value intensive, deliberate study of the word. You must value it. When Paul was speaking to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 15, he said to Timothy, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. The word known there is the Greek word euda. It means to appreciate something or it means you value the holy scriptures. And Paul is very deliberate in his use of words. When he said you have known the holy scriptures, he uses another Greek word for holy, the word herios. Herios is used for somewhere you keep apart from others. That is, if there's a sitting and we separate a section for VIPs, that separated section is herios. It's like you keep that section sacred. So brother Paul is saying to us that the Bible is sacred, set apart. He says you have come to value the sacredness of the book. You have come to value the sacredness of the book. When you disrespect scriptures, you disrespect God. God does not want to be known via nature. God does not want to be known via experiences. God doesn't want you to know him via dreams and visions. He doesn't want you to know him via what people around you are saying. The scriptures are there for you to value. So value the scriptures and see the scriptures as sacred. Value the scriptures and see the scriptures as sacred. So we said that there is an importance of systematic study of the scriptures. There is an importance of systematic study of scriptures. A pastor cannot choose what he wants to preach. No. And then now he becomes a specialist. There's nothing like that. A pastor is so called a pastor because he teaches all the scripture. A pastor is so called a pastor because he teaches all the scriptures. Please stay with me. This is very important. That is what Paul was saying to Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse number 16. And he says to Timothy, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Profitable for doctrine. The word doctrine there is the word teaching, for teaching. All right? It's profitable for teaching or explanation. Now look at verse 17 of 2 Timothy chapter 3. That the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Truly furnished unto all good works. So there are times too when a pastor can pray and the Lord will lead him and say, Son, talk about this area. That can happen. But you see, a pastor shouldn't pastor the flock that way. The pastor should know systematic way by which the scriptures are explained. A pastor must know the systematic way by which the scriptures are explained. He must know what is the emphasis. What is the focus. What should always be said. Don't start saying what do I preach this year. No. What you should preach has already been written. 
what you should preach at all times has already been written. Look at what Paul told Timothy, a bishop. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 2. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 2. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. The same, the same commit to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. The same. That is, you know, the same thing. That's why if you check our library of teachings, there are things we teach every year. There are things that are consistent. These are core truths in the theology of scripture. They are consistent. You don't say, Lord, we are praying, give us a word for this season. <laughs> uh, no. The scriptures are already written. In other words, just find out what the scriptures are saying. Just find out what the scriptures are saying. That's the job of the pastor. So also, as a Christian, you mustn't have what you always want to hear. You mustn't have what you always want to hear. Paul gave that warning in 2 Timothy chapter 4 from verse 1 to 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4 from verse 1 to 4. I charge thee before, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Verse 2. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, Exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Verse 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears. Underline the word itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. And shall be turned unto fables. The word itching ears there is something that tickles your fancy. Something that tickles your fancy. Like someone said, just like Jesus got a kingdom, I mean, a pastor was preaching, just like Jesus got a kingdom, your kingdom is coming. David got his kingdom, Joseph got his kingdom, you have a kingdom in politics. You have a kingdom in commerce. You have a kingdom in entertainment. What? And this is a teaching in the church. And people like it. But that's not the word of God. That's not the word of God. Even Jesus' kingdom in 1 Corinthians 15.24 1 Corinthians 15.24 Jesus' kingdom. He says, Then come at the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God. Even the father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, that Jesus will give the kingdom to the father. The David you are quoting and saying David has a kingdom, David himself placed a disclaimer. He said, the Lord said unto my Lord, unto my Lord, making reference to Jesus, sit on my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. How did you not think David was looking for a kingdom? Because you never took the scriptures seriously. You never took the scriptures seriously. In that 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 4. 
Second Timothy chapter 4 verse 4. Put it up for me. Second Timothy 4 4. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. The word fables there is the Greek word muthos. Muthos means they shall be turned to myths. Myths. So they have itching ears, ears that need to be tickled. Some people don't know the difference, for example, between good songs and a gospel song. There is a difference between a good song and a gospel song. Good songs like MJ's, you know MJ's, Michael Jackson. I, I like Michael Jackson's songs. I, I used to like them very well. I still like his songs. I mean, don't get me wrong. The lyrics may not be correct, but his music is good. That's what I'm talking about now. His music. In fact, sometimes when people listen to Michael Jackson, they cry. Some people even fall down when Michael Jackson is singing. All right? Now, people are just emotional. There's, there's no anointing. It's just pure emotions. But there is a difference between good songs and a gospel song. A gospel song is the teaching of the scriptures rightly divided with a melody. The teaching of the scriptures rightly divided with a melody. Alright? So Jesus deliberately showed us a study of scriptures. And Jesus made it clear to us that the study of scriptures must be intense. I also told you to check the sermons in the book of Acts. They were detailed. Like Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. It was two to three hours of intensive teaching. Because the message was between Acts chapter 2 verse 4 to verse 14. Verse 4 to verse 14. And it took them about 10 verses. But those 10 verses were extensively taught over a period of three hours. Because the Bible says when the day of Pentecost was fully come. Which is 6 a.m. among the Jews. When they say the day has fully come in Jewish culture, it means 6 a.m. And then it says about the third hour. The third hour is 9 a.m. That's when they, you know, they were still there. So from 6 to 9, three hours of intensive teaching. That is how they taught the word of God in the book of Acts. Look at John chapter 6. When Jesus took them to the wilderness. In seven verses, four days of teaching was summarized. Jesus taught for four days in the wilderness. So they were intense in their study of the scriptures. And that is how we ought to study the scriptures. So back to John chapter 1 verse 1. John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God... And the word was God. In the beginning was the Logos. And the Logos was with God. And the Logos was God. Give me verse 2. The same was in the beginning with God. Verse 3. All things, all things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. Give me verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 5. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. In other words, he is saying to us that God has been revealed from the book of Genesis as the word. God has been revealed 
from the book of Genesis as the word. Because look at verse 14 of John chapter 1. Verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. Give me the next verse. Full of grace and truth. Give me verse 16. Verse 16. And of his fullness have all we received grace and for grace. So John says to us that the theology of God is built around Jesus. That the theology of God is built around Jesus. That the study of God is the study of Christ. That the study of God is the study of Christ. And I taught you before. And I said that means Christology is our theology. Christology is our theology. Please take this down if you are making notes. Christology is our theology. Someone said Jesus and Muhammad. They point you to the same God. I said that is absolutely ridiculous. That can never be true. Someone said to me, I was preaching Jesus to a Muslim from the Quran. I said, what? In the Quran? They call him Prophet Isa. Prophet Isa is not Jesus Christ. Prophet Isa is not Jesus Christ. So, our theology is Christology. Our theology is Christology. It is Christ that reveals God to us. That is why he said, and the prophet said, and the apostle said, and the evangelist said, that the Old Testament is about him. The Old Testament is about him. Look at John 5.39. Jesus speaking to the Jews said to them, Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. Look at John chapter 1 verse 45. John chapter 1 verse 45. Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So there is sufficient evidence in the scriptures to show you that the theology of believers is Christology. That the theology of believers is Christology. So Christ is not an addition to our study of God. Christ is not an addition to our study of God. Christ is not the icing to our study of God. Christ is our study of God. Christ is our study of God. Our study of Jesus is our study of God. That should be very clear to you. Our study of Jesus is the study of God. That, there should be no controversy about that. Alright? Because Jesus is God. Which means, in other words, by that systematic study of the Old Testament, we find God where we find Christ. By a systematic study of the Old Testament... We find God where we find Christ. That's why the attempt of the apostles to explain this was very deliberate and intense. In preaching Jesus, for example, in all the sermons, in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 5, 
Acts chapter 6 and 7, Stephen's defense. Acts chapter 8, Philip. Acts chapter 10, Peter in the house of Cornelius. Acts chapter 13, brother Paul. All of them were deliberate. They were very deliberate in their showing Jesus from the Old Testament. They were deliberate in their showing Jesus from the Old Testament. Look at Acts chapter 13 verse 16. Brother Paul. Acts chapter 13 verse 16. Then Paul stood up and beckoning with his hand said, Men of Israel and ye that fear God, give audience. Verse 17. The God of these people of Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. And with an high arm brought he them out of it. Look at verse 32 as he kept teaching in the synagogue. Verse 32. And we declare unto you glad tidings. How that the promise which was made unto the fathers. 33. God had fulfilled the same unto us their children. In that he had raised up Jesus again. As it is also written in the second psalm. Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Look at verse 38 of that same chapter. Verse 38, brother Paul still speaking. Be known unto you therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. That through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. So there was a deliberate attempt to study with the audience about God from the Old Testament. There was a deliberate attempt to study with the audience about God from the Old Testament. Remember, I told you that when they were preaching here, there was no book of Romans. There was no book of Galatians. Even the four Gospels were not in existence. So everything they taught was from the Old Testament. Because all they had was Genesis to Malachi. So how come you are confused about God and they were not? Because they were deliberate. They didn't have Galatians. They didn't have Ephesians. All they had was Genesis to Malachi. Just like Philip and the eunuch in Acts chapter 8 verse 30. Pay attention. The Philip and the eunuch in Acts chapter 8 verse 30. And Philip ran to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou... What thou readest, understandest thou what thou readest? And then Philip preached to him, beginning from that Isaiah, he preached Christ. Look at Acts 28 23. Observe something. Acts 28 23. And when they had appointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets from morning till evening. There was an intense, deliberate attempt. What we saw when Jesus rose from the dead was just like that. In Luke chapter 24, verse 25. I mean 45. Luke 24, 45. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. That they might understand the scriptures. He opened their understanding. It was not a casual screening. And a screaming and excitement kind of service. Mm -mm. 
It was not a casual screaming, jumping, excitement. No, 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 no. Acts of the Apostles chapter 1 verse 2 tells us how long that teaching took. Give me that Acts chapter 2 verse 3. Until the day in which he was taken up. After that, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2 from verse 1. Acts chapter 2 from verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were together in one accord, in one place. No, that's not what I'm looking at for. Acts chapter 1 verse 2. Acts 1, 2. Until the day in which he was taken up. After that, he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. Verse 3 now. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So the outcome of these 40 days of glory or 40 days of teaching was that their understanding was opened and now they understood the scriptures. So it took Jesus 40 days of intense, deliberate teaching to bring his disciples to a place of understanding the message of the Old Testament. There's no casual approach. Look at Acts 5.42. Acts chapter 5 verse 42. Daily, Acts 5 42. And daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. So they had a church meeting. Then after the church, they went to houses and did Bible study in houses. How can you know God with a laid back attitude to his word? Look at Acts chapter 19 verse 7. Pay attention. Acts chapter 19 verse 7. And all the men were about 12 verse 8. And he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months. On the line three months. Disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. Next verse. But when divers were hardened and believe not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude. He departed from them and separated the disciples, disputing daily, daily, in the school of one Tyrannus. Daily. So, now, there was daily, there was two years, there was three months. In case you thought it was figurative, Brother Paul repeated that narration in Acts chapter 20 verse 20. Put it up for me. Acts chapter 20 verse 20. And now I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. But I've showed you and I've taught you publicly and from house to house. Brother Paul says, I kept back nothing. I taught you all and that's the motivation of ministry. That's what I want to be able to say after a few years that I have taught all of you in Power City all. And everybody who listens to me that I've kept back nothing from you. So there was public meetings and there was a meeting that was going on from house to house which is what I call intense study. Look at Acts chapter 20 verse 31. Acts chapter 20 verse 31. Therefore watch and remember. 
that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. So the daily in Acts chapter 19 was not a figure of speech. The daily in Acts chapter 19 was not a figure of speech. Paul had a job. He was working. Then he comes back to teach daily. In Acts chapter 20 verse 7, pay attention. Acts chapter 20 verse 7. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. He continued teaching until midnight. Did you see that? He continued teaching till midnight. So he started teaching from 6 a.m. till 12 midnight. Alright? Then look at verse 11. That same service. Look at verse 11 of Acts of the Apostles chapter, chapter, chapter 20. When he therefore was come up again, because Eutychus fell down and died, they raised him back to life. And had broken bread and eaten. He talked a long while, even till break of day. Then he departed. So they had a Bible study. No singing, no dancing, nothing. Just Bible study. From 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. Bible study. From 6 in the evening till 6 the following morning. Deliberate, intentional Bible study. This is the pattern that the apostles studied the word. There was a deliberate attempt to teach scriptures thoroughly. So our Christology is our theology. Our Christology is our theology. Please stay with me. Jesus, according to John, is the word of God. Jesus is the Logos of God. From Jesus' study... In Luke 24, 25 to 27, and Luke 24, 44 to 45, Jesus is the study of God. Jesus is the study of God. And that study is done in the Old Testament books. That study is done in the Old Testament books. In other words, I now have the privilege, because I have the four Gospels, I have the book of Acts and I have the epistles. So I have the privilege of reading all these books together. So if Jesus is God who became a man and the four gospels record him and the book of Acts is an outflow of that and the epistles explains that. Then the Old Testament should no longer be confusing except where I don't have faith in Jesus. You only get confused about the Old Testament when you do not have faith in Jesus. Because if you believe in Jesus, you will not be confused about the Old Testament. If you believe in Jesus, you will not be confused about the Old Testament. So there must be a deliberate attempt to read scriptures that way. Jesus did not speak in qualifying terms. Jesus spoke in absolute terms. Jesus spoke in absolute terms. You know, some people get angry. They say, oh, Dr. Damina, why do you always speak absolute? Well, 
I'm teaching Jesus and Jesus spoke in absolute terms. For example, John chapter 2 verse 19 to 22. Pay attention now. We're going to do some reading. Jesus answered and said unto them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Next verse. Then said the Jews, forty and six years was this temple in building. And will thou rear it up in three days? Next verse. But he spake of the temple of his body. So what Jesus said is, he is that temple. Give me verse 22 so that it's clear. When therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this unto them. And they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. In John chapter 4 verse 10. John chapter 4 verse 10. Jesus answered and said unto her. If thou knowest the gift of God. And who it is that saith to thee give me to drink. Thou wouldest have asked of him. And he will have given thee living water. Give me verse 13 now. Verse 13. John 4 13. Jesus answered and said unto her. Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Verse 14. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. Absolute. Shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. John 5, 26. These are all absolute terms. John 5, 26. For as the father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the son to have life in himself. Absolute terms. John 5.20 John 5.20 For the father loveth the son and showeth him all things that himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these that ye may marvel. John 5.22 John 5.22 For the father judgeth no man but had committed all judgment unto the Son. Absolute terms. John 5, 24. John 5, 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word, and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Absolute terms. John 5, 39. John 5, 39. 39. Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Verse 40. Verse 40. And you will not come to me that you might have life. John chapter 5, verse 45. John chapter 5, verse 45. Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuseth you. Even Moses in whom you trust. Next verse 46. For had you believed Moses, you would have believed me. For he wrote of me. These are all absolute terms. John 6, 32. John chapter 6 verse 32. Many scriptures good for your health. Then said Jesus unto them. Verily, verily I say unto you. Moses gave you not that bread from heaven. But my father giveth you the true bread from heaven. My father giveth you the true bread from heaven. 35. John 6, 35. And Jesus said unto them, 
I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. But he that believeth on me shall never thirst. John chapter 6 verse 48. John chapter 6 verse 48. I am that bread of life. Absolute terms. Absolute terms. John 7 37. John chapter 7 verse 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. 38. He that believeth on me, as the scripture had said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. 39. But this spake he of the spirit, which they that believe on him shall receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Absolute terms. John 8, 12. John chapter 8, verse 12. Let Jesus speak for himself. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. John chapter 9, verse 5. John chapter 9 verse 5. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Let Jesus speak for himself. John chapter 10 verse 10. John chapter 10 verse 10. The thief cometh not, but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. Let Jesus speak for himself. John 11.25 John 11.25 Jesus said unto her I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me though he were dead yet shall he live. Look at those statements. I am. I am. No one spoke like that in the entire scriptures. No one spoke like that in the entire scriptures. Whatever he spoke those words, the unbelieving Jews were very angry because of the word I am. Is the Greek word MI is the meaning of the name of God in the Old Testament Yahweh. So every time he said, every time he said that, he brought a mixed reaction. He brought a mixed reaction among the Jews because he was absolute in his communication. Listen. God does not play middle grounds. Mm -mm. Jesus does not operate middle grounds. He is absolute. He is light, no darkness. He is life, no death. He is love, no hate. See that? Absolute. God functions in the absolute sense. John says he is the word of God. That is, when you see Jesus, you see God. Look at John chapter 14 verse 9. John chapter 14 verse 9. Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And now sayest thou then, show us the Father. John 14, 6. See the way Jesus will speak for himself. John 14, 6. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. So Jesus is absolute. I believe in Jesus. I 
believe in Jesus. You cannot be a Christian if you don't believe that Jesus is the God of the Old Testament. You didn't hear that? Let me repeat quickly. You cannot be a Christian if you don't believe that Jesus is the God of the Old Testament. You can speak in tongues. You can receive miracles. You can be a pastor. You can even be an elder, a deacon, or an apostle, or a church worker. But if you do not believe that Jesus Christ is the Yahweh of the Old Testament, then you are not a Christian. Brother Paul says in 1 Timothy 3.16, 1 Timothy 3.16, I'm getting excited. 1 Timothy 3.16, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up unto glory. The way King James put it can be confusing. That word without controversy is an old idiom, idiom, is an old idiom expression of a word. That means this is our great confession. This is what we commonly believe. This is Christianity. Without controversy is an idiom which means this is our great confession. This is what we commonly believe. This is Christianity or this is what ties all of us together as Christians that God is manifest in human flesh. That's why Christianity is called the great confession. This is what we commonly believe or this is the great confession or our creed. The mystery of godliness. Godliness means how we see God. The Greek word eusubia. How we see God. God was made manifest in the flesh. The word confession is not primarily speaking. It has the speaking part. But here it means the great conviction or the great persuasion. That's why it is called homologio in the Greek. Homologio, you know, some Bibles restore that, you know, they remove the word God. You know, they remove that word God. You know, some Bibles and those Bibles have to, if you look at the, the origin, the people that have those Bibles, you will know why they remove the word God. Because they do not believe that Jesus is God. And such, such people is what the Bible calls Antichrist. Because Antichrist is not a person. Antichrist is a teaching that denies the deity of Christ or the humanity of Christ. So there are Bibles that did that in certain denominations. Now, in the Greek, that word, the source, is a pronoun. It cannot be godliness that was manifest in the flesh. If they say he was manifest in the flesh, then he has to be the reason we have godliness. If they say he was manifest in the flesh, then he has to be the reason why we have godliness. Please pay attention. So this is our great confession. God was made manifest. The word manifest means visible. In the Greek, it means to be naked. That is, nothing left to be known. Manifest, visible, naked, or nothing left 
to be known about God. He is made manifest in the flesh. Paul said, this is our common conviction. This is why we are all here this evening. 1 Timothy 3.16, pay attention. 1 Timothy 3.16 And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Then look at chapter 4, 1 Timothy 4.1 now. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1. Now having established our great our great great confession. Now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. Which faith? That God is manifest in the flesh. Some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits. And doctrines of devils. I'm sure that makes sense now. So that, that is. They will depart from this truth. That our God is manifest in the flesh. Or that Christology is our theology. They will depart from the truth. That God was manifest in the flesh. In other words. Our doctrine is the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Our doctrine is the doctrine of Jesus Christ. What do I mean by Jesus Christ? Christ is the Old Testament promise of the Messiah. Christ is the Old Testament promise of the Messiah. Jesus is the one who fulfills it. That's our doctrine. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Who is a historical figure in the four Gospels. Who came to the world. That is the Christ. That is the fulfillment of the promise in the Old Testament. That is God in man. God in man. Paul says, when we preach this, Jews think we are sinning. They think we are making an error. Because to them, it's an offense. To the intellectuals, when we preach that our God was manifest in human flesh, they think it is foolishness. But to us that are saved, it is the power of God. Paul says that the wisdom of God is foolishness to man. And the power of God is weakness to man. Because Jesus of the four gospels looked weak to be called God. Jesus of the four gospels looked weak to be called God. What amazes them is that Jesus is God. Because God in the mind of an ordinary person has to be a tyrant. But Jesus looks weak to them. He looks weak because how can you say God and people killed him? Yeah, but that is where the strength of God is. He died to prove his love towards us. When we believe it, we are saved. Jesus is God. When I believe that, I take it to the Old Testament and I begin to see the power of God. Not in death, but in life. Not in destruction, but in restoration. The power of God in the resurrection. And the four Gospels 
are very clear. If you have contradictions before, which really doesn't exist, but even then, the four gospels should have cleared all your contradictions about God. Because Jesus was abused by people. Jesus was called names. Jesus was ridiculed. And no one was harmed by that. No one was harmed by that. Do you believe in Jesus? It's an important question. Do you believe in Jesus? Because if you believe in Jesus, then you believe in God. Then you believe in God. If you believe in Jesus, then you believe in God. Look at John 14, 1. John chapter 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Faith in Christ is faith in God. Faith in Christ is faith in God. Many have faith in the devil. And they think the devil, you know, and they think the devil is like too powerful. So, they just have faith in the devil. But when you know Jesus, then the devil suddenly is not a prayer point. So, you don't ask questions, you know, uh, is God good? Is God not good? Look at Jesus. Jesus is the definition of God in practical terms. Jesus is God. I take the light of Jesus and I walk in that light. What amazes people is not that God became a man. Yeah, 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 yeah. What amazes people is not that God became a man. As God, he can become anything. But to assert that he was the one that was mocked, abused, that he was the one that was stoned, Many natural minds and unregenerated minds cannot handle that. Why? Because human nature without the spirit of God is strange to true love. You didn't hear that. Human nature without the spirit of God is strange to true love. Many people are self-centered in the way they think. That's why the way people view God is how they view themselves. They view God the way they view themselves. We use human view to situate God. Like thunder, intimidation, oppression. But Jesus is God. He is not light and darkness. He is absolute light. He is not good and evil. He is absolute good. He is not sickness and health. He is absolute health. He is not death and life. He is absolute life. He is not the one who brings joy and sorrow. He is absolute joy. So, view God not in human wisdom. View God in God's wisdom. Let your theology Repent towards Christology. Your theology that came from your background. Your theology that came from experiences. Your theology that came from your ignorance. Your theology that came from mixture must be reformed. 
to see God in Christ. Hallelujah. To see God in Christ. It must be to see God in Christ because when Jesus came, he said, I am. And he showed them from the scriptures deliberately. So our thinking of scriptures must align with Christ. That's why he told them, repentance and remission of sins should be preached. Repentance means a change of thinking. Repentance means a change of thinking. That is, start to think God in Christ. Start to think God in Christ because that is the revelation of the Old Testament. God in Christ. Now, last Sunday, we began to look at Job more and we'll get more of that tomorrow. Tomorrow, 5 p.m. I'm going to get more into Job. Okay? So, in Job chapter 2 verse 10, for example, look at what Job said. Job chapter 2 verse 10. But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God? And shall we not receive evil? Shall we receive good from God and not evil? That is a typical thought pattern of many people. That is a typical thought pattern of many people. So the question, did God do it? Why did God allow evil? Is an irrelevant question. The question actually should be, did Christ do it? If Christ did not do it, then God did not do it. Because our great confession without controversy is that it was God who was made manifest in the flesh. John 1.18 John 1.18 No man had seen God at any time. The only begotten Son which is in the bosom of the Father he had declared him the word Ezogomai in the Greek. Look at John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was God. Look at verse 5. John 1 5. And the light shineth in darkness. And the darkness comprehended it not. Verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Verse 7. The same came for a witness. To be a witness of the light that all men through him might be believe. Verse 8. He was not that light, but he was sent to be a witness of that light. Verse 9. That was the true light which lighted every man that cometh into the world. Verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Verse 11. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. 13. Which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. 14. And the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Next verse. John bore witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I speak. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Next verse. And of his fullness, 
have all we received and grace for grace. 17. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. 18. No man had seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he had declared him. What were people seeing those times? In the Old Testament, they saw servants of God. Servants of God. All the prophets who had weaknesses and frailties. No one has seen God before Jesus came. But now, God has been seen in Jesus Christ. The word bosom, bosom of the Father, is a Greek word called pos. That is, you are seen together. That is, Jesus and the Father are seen together. He has declared him, the word ezogomai. That is, to personally say something about yourself. To personally say something about yourself. He had declared him. You see, whatever Jesus said about himself was about the Father God. You are not reporting someone. Mm -mm. Jesus is not a third party reportage. Moses reported about God. John the Baptist reported about God because he was not the light. He was sent to be a witness of the light. Isaiah reported about God. But Jesus reported as God. Jesus reported as God. I believe in Jesus. What about you? I believe in Jesus. Now, Jesus is my knowledge of God. Jesus is my knowledge of God. You didn't hear that one more time. Jesus is my knowledge of God. So we have established that our theology is Christology. Our theology is Christology. We do not know God by nature. We do not know God by experiences. We do not know God by dreams and visions. We know God in a man. The man Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus is our revelation of God. That is our common confession. All of Jesus and his miracles were to explain God. All of Jesus' miracles were to explain God. Please stay with me. All of Jesus' miracles were to explain God. If he healed the sick, he was explaining that God does not give people sickness. If he healed the sick, Jesus was explaining that God never gives people sickness. And how I many of you know, and Jesus healed them all. Jesus was practically redefining that God is not behind sickness. If he calmed them storm, he was explaining that God was not behind natural disasters. If he calmed the storm, he was redefining that God is never behind natural disasters. 
if he opened blind eyes for people that were born blind, it means he didn't make it so. Don't let anybody take advantage of you and, and use you for make caricature of you. In the name of generational causes and ancestral covenants. It's just a muthos. It's a myth. It does not exist. It doesn't exist. The guy was born blind. And the disciple asked him, give me John chapter 9 quickly. John chapter 9 verse 1. Pay attention. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. Next verse. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin? See? People that are always trying to attribute sin to why there is a misfortune. Who did sin? This man or his parents? They are trying to trace whether it's ancestral cause, generational cause, ancestral covenant. They are trying to trace his genealogy to see where the sickness is coming from. And they are asking God, Jesus, who did sin? Put up the scripture. Who did sin? This man or his parents? That he was born blind. What did Jesus answer? Next verse. Verse 3. Quickly. John chapter 9 verse 3. Jesus answered. Neither had this man sinned. It's not sin. The man is not blind because he sinned. Look at me everybody. The man is not blind because he sinned. The man is not blind because his father sinned. Nothing generational causes. No, that's not what is responsible. You are not going through tough times because you sinned. You are not going through rough times because you are a wicked person. These things are common to man. They are things that happen within man. Give me that scripture again. Hallelujah. John chapter 9. Jesus answered, Neither had this man seen nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Jesus said, I'm going to heal him so I can manifest the works of God. So it's not in generational cause. Don't let anybody deceive you. When you receive Christ and Christ enters your heart, light has come into your heart. From that day, you are a royal priesthood. You are a chosen generation. From that day, see the word generation is the word genes. That is, from the day you got born again, your genes and chromosomes changed. What it means is that from the moment you got born again, your genealogy changed. Don't let anybody take advantage of, of your ignorance. No, from the day you receive Christ, you are a new generation. You are regened. You are from a new genealogy. Born of God. Born of God. You are of God. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Overcometh the world. So whatever Jesus did was explaining God. If he raised the dead, it means he kills nobody. If Jesus raised the dead, he was explaining that God does not kill. If he was raised from the dead, if Jesus was raised from the dead. It means he has never been involved in death from Genesis to Malachi. It means he has never been involved in death from Genesis to Malachi. That is our story of God. Our Christology is our theology. 
I believe in Jesus absolutely. I believe in Jesus absolutely. Jesus defines God. All the prophets point to Jesus. Jesus is God revealed. So Jesus defines God. I do not believe in human experiences above Jesus. I do not believe in human utterances above Jesus. I believe in Jesus. He is the light of the world. In him is no darkness at all. I believe in Jesus. Faith in Christ is faith in God. If you do not believe that Jesus is God, you are not a Christian. You didn't hear that. Anybody that does not believe that Jesus is God is not a Christian. Jesus is not junior God. Jesus is not God's errand boy. Mm -mm. Jesus is God. The book of Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 is around. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. He is the express image of God. Jesus is the express image, the perfect imprint. Jesus is the corporate headquarters of the Godhead. Jesus is the revelation, accurate, precise, is the exact, comprehensive revelation of God to man. Jesus defines God to us in his personality because he is God. If you do not believe that Jesus is God, you are not a Christian. If you do not accept that Jesus is God, what, what did Isaiah say in the prophecy? His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God. Jesus is Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Jesus is Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You know, his name is Emmanuel, God with us. So when Jesus came through the womb of Mary into that manger, it was the first time God appeared on earth to be with man. Jesus is God. I believe in God the Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. For I believe in the name of Jesus. That's our creed. That's our confession. That Jesus is God manifest. Once you believe in Jesus, then anything Moses said, anything Elijah said, anything Jeremiah said, anything Ezekiel said, will be subjected to what Jesus said and how Jesus operated as the explanation and the definition of God. 
as the explanation and the definition of God. Glory to God. Stand on your feet. That's all I've got for you in this service. Glory. Our God is manifest in Christ. So, our theology is Christology. We know God in Christ. We see God in Christ. Jesus is God manifest. Hallelujah. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Or Jesus gives visibility to the invisible. When you see Jesus, there is nothing about God anymore to be known. Jesus demystifies God and unveils to us the totality of God's revelation. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet. Lift your right hands. Let's pray tonight. Father, thank you for everybody under the sound of my voice all over the world. On radio, on television, all those that are following us online, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, all our house centers in Aquaibom State, all our campuses all over the world, all our campuses in different nations scattered around the world. Nekatobeliana. Nengro Shakila Dababa, an army of men, an army of men armed with the revelation of Jesus. An army of men armed with the revelation of Jesus arising all over the blue marble planet to make manifest the fragrance of God's grace. Thank you for everyone hearing the sound of my voice. I decree that this revelation rises big on your inside. Veils fall off. Confusion clear tonight. The revelation of Jesus expressly made manifest. And we decree that this word builds you up and gives you your inheritance in Christ. And I decree tonight every sickness be healed in the name of Jesus. We rebuke infirmity. We rebuke oppression. Satan, get your hands off of God's property. We command your body be healed. We receive healing for your body right now in the name of Jesus. Great grace is upon you. And we declare that you rise strong in faith tonight. And you grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Thank you Father for answered prayer. In Jesus precious name. And every believer says that amen like thunder. Glory to God. Now listen to me everybody. Listen to me everybody. This is very 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 important. Number one. The Power Bible School is registering for July. We're going to have the Bible school online throughout the month of July. There will be lectures in the morning, repeated in the afternoon. Then another set of lectures in the evening, repeated into the midnight. So that people in different time zones, and wherever you're watching around the world, people with tedious work schedule can be able to catch at least the two lectures in a day because of the way we will span the lectures and repeat them. And the lectures will be left on the portal for 24 hours. So that you can catch the lectures no matter how busy you are every day. There are two lectures per day throughout the month of July. Apart from the most exciting news, which is the 30 days of glory, Soteria season 7. It starts from the 5th of July to the 2nd of August. And also... The, 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 the 30 days of glory is going to be a time of teaching, 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 teaching about our salvation in Christ Jesus. Bible school begins from the 6th of July. 6th of July. Now, to register for the Bible school, those of you on radio, 
our phone numbers will be called or you can stop by our office at 98 Waniba Road every day. Our staff are on duty and they will register you and get forms for you and all of that is for the radio audience. Those on television, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, you can shoot a mail to Dr. Abel Damina at yahoo.com. And if you've been trying to register on the portal, it's not working, just shoot me a mail. Our office will call you and help you get your registration through. But hey, July is loaded. We're going to just swim in the word of his grace and enjoy the glory of Jesus in these last days. I'm excited. Now listen carefully. I'm about to sign off. Grab your offerings, everybody. Grab your offerings. Let's honor the word. Let's honor Christ. And remember, I'll be live tomorrow at 5 p.m. GMT plus one to continue with our teaching on finding God in the midst of evil. And we shall do some, 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 some x-raying of Job's life tomorrow. So we can put an end to some of those, those mysteries about Job tomorrow in the teaching. Those of you on radio, you can come over or you can connect us on Facebook. Abel Damina is public figure page. Abel Damina on Facebook. You can hook up on, on Facebook because we will not be live on radio tomorrow, but we'll be live on Facebook. We'll be live on YouTube. YouTube, Abel Damina Ministries at 5 p.m. GMT plus one. We'll be live tomorrow teaching the word. Grab a good offering tonight. We want to give and honor the word and honor Christ and honor what Christ is doing. Let me also mention, on Sunday, I'll be taking a special offering this Sunday in the, in the first and second service. The offering is for the 30 days of glory because we have quite a lot to do for the 30 days of glory and our budget runs into about 4-5 million and that's about $10,000. So on Sunday we'll be taking a special offering because we want to broadcast the 30 days of glory live on radio. Two hours every day of teaching. 6 to 8 p.m. live on radio in Aquaibom State so that everywhere you are you can be in the 30 days of glory. We're going to pay for that. And then we're going to pay for logistics and all that is needed to get it going. So everybody, pray about it. Get ready. On Sunday, I'll be taking a special offering for 30 Days of Glory Conference. And I want to thank partners and all of you that always give and invest into this ministry who believe in what we're doing. We love you and we thank you. Thank you for being responsible so that we can get the word of God all over the nations of the earth. All right, lift up your offerings to heaven, everybody. In the house centers, on the campuses, everywhere. Lift up that offering. I want to pray right now. Father, thank you for everybody giving tonight. We give in faith. We give with joy. And we are grateful that through our giving, the word of God is growing all over the nations of the earth. Men and women are coming to the knowledge of the truth about Jesus. I decree that tonight our offerings are a sweet smell. And I pray for everybody giving, everybody giving around the world right now, in, in everybody, online, in our campuses, on TV, wherever you are, I decree that my God supplies all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And in the name of Jesus, we declare your desires granted, your needs are met supernaturally. Great grace is upon you tonight. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Praise God. All right, the banking details are scrolling. You can go ahead. And those of you on radio who want to send an offering but you don't have our bank accounts, if you call the phone numbers, they'll be read immediately after this service. You'll be instructed on what to do. 
Everybody else will love you. It's a joy to be able to share with you the word of God every day. Tomorrow, 5 p.m. GMT plus one, the word is going to come again very loud and clear. And if you know people that are looking forward to go to the Bible school, encourage them to register with the Power Bible School that begins from the 6th of July. Hey guys, enjoy the rest of your day. All our house centers, we leave all of you in the hands of the pastors who will close the services in the houses and give you announcements. All our campuses in the able hands of our campus coordinators. And everybody else online and on television and radio, we love you guys. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Looking forward to connect with you again tomorrow evening. And until then, be blessed. Amen. Glory to God. I feel like getting excited all over this place. Amen. <laughs>